How do you understand your company's reputation as an employer? Metrics vary from company to company, making it hard to benchmark your progress against competitors. This is where the Employer Brand Index comes in. It analyzes what employees, candidates, and alumni are saying about your company and quantifies these findings into a single score. We can even dive into your talent competitors to really understand how competitive your employer brand is. Our team of talent analysts collect all available data points, discover patterns, and deliver a report full of insights and recommendations. Want to know more? Go to employerbrandindex.co. Hey, Sansevason, it's Jorgen Sandberg here with the Employer Branding Podcast, brought to you by your friends at Link Humans. We are, of course, fine purveyors of data-driven employer brand insights and measurements. Today, we are speaking to a global beauty company, and uh, you may have heard of it. It's actually the largest one on the planet. We have two representatives from said organization, and we're going to cover a lot of ground, starting with the genesis of employer brand, and also talking about the newish EVP, and also looking at activation as well as measurement, of course. So let's start the show. Hey, Mayu and Lisa, how are you? Doing great, how are you? Fantastic, thank you. So please let our listeners know who you are and uh, what you do. Hi there, super happy to be with you. So I'm Lisa and I am the Global Employer Branding Manager, currently working at L'Oreal in Paris. And along with Lisa, my name is Mayu. I'm the Global Project Manager for Candidate Experience and Employer Reputation. Thank you for having us today. My pleasure. Right. So L'Oreal, what, what is L'Oreal all about? Can you give us a, an idea or a summary, please? Absolutely. We have quite some history. So our company was founded in 1909 by a chemist. And the company was originally designed by him to create products uh, to, to dye your hair in a safe way. Because back then, dyeing a hair was, was a trend back then. But women were using very toxic um, products and our founder said we have to develop a product that is safe for people to use and still enjoy to be beautiful and, and fashionable in that way. So this is why um, it started with this innovation, this product. And that's why since then, innovation has always been at the heart of L'Oreal. Um, we are based in Paris, where Lisa and I am. And we have over 86,000 employees operating in 150 countries with 35 international brands. And we have actually four divisions um, varying from pharma to luxury. Uh, maybe the well-known brands that you've heard before are brands like Lancome, Maybelline New York, Carastas, Vichy. And maybe just to throw one fun fact about L'Oreal is that we only had six CEOs in the past uh, 100 years in history. So it really explains that um, our CEOs stay in their position for a long time and really commit to our business. So yeah. this is where we are. Absolutely. And, and it's a super international company. You two have fairly international backgrounds as well. Can you give us a, a quick uh, intro to that? Absolutely. I think that Mayu has a, a much more exciting background or history than myself, but uh, <laughs> I'm uh, born in Toronto, Canada, and moved to the south of France, actually, to pursue my master's. And then I joined L'Oreal in an internship and uh, was super lucky to be hired on after, uh, which was great. I fell in love with the company and their employer branding uh, strategy. So this is a bit about me. 
and about me. So I'm originally from Japan, um, but born in the U.S. I've also lived in Holland. And only when I was 14 that I moved back to Japan and kind of relearn my own country and culture. And thanks to L'Oreal, I moved to France, Paris uh, in 2019. So I've been hopping around different continents. Yeah, I know. I think that's perhaps from an employer brand perspective is an interesting, I'm just going to say a pitch to a young person who wants to sort of see the world and perhaps move around to different uh, countries. It's, it's you're absolutely right. It's definitely one of uh, the strengths of being such an international company amongst many other strengths. And Mayu is one of our favorite uh, great stories to tell because of her very unique, as I mentioned, her background is much more interesting than mine. And she didn't even uh, give it the full justice that it deserves. But because of her unique uh, upbringing and all of the different perspectives that she can bring from each of these countries that she's spent quite a significant amount of time in, and then was able to move across the world again with L'Oreal uh, with this unique history. It's a super cool angle to, to pull on an employer branding perspective. You're super right about that. I didn't know this podcast about was about pampering me. So thank you, Lisa, for, for highlighting my my life but I'm um, just to just to even mention about our team so so Lisa and I work in a team called the global CMO for talent acquisition and she works on the employer branding I work on a candidate experience and employee reputation as explained so you know she does the employer branding I basically you know measure uh, based on employer mm-hmm. Reputation, of course, that's where we were have the opportunity to meet with you, Jorgen. But our team is also very, very international. We have French, we have Korean, of course, myself, Japanese, um, well, Spanish, Japanese. Argentinian. It's it's very international. So for sure, um, we, we didn't mention maybe um, you know what is L'Oreal, but really um, our team is super international and it's super nurturing to work with uh, with the colleagues every day. Great. Okay, so. The company's got a lot of history, very international, and some fantastic uh, product lines. Um, What is the challenge in terms of uh, talent for you? Yeah, sure. Um, Maybe I'll take this one. So I think one of the challenges that we currently face is to really associate ourselves with innovation. For example, we are currently a number one beauty company, but our ambitions are to go beyond. And we are striving to become the number one beauty tech company. However, people still associate us with cosmetics because, of course, that's um, our key product and services that we offer to our people. But recently, our business has been driven by innovation with the acquisition, for example, a company called Modiface, which is a pioneer in augmented reality. And we use their facial recognition technology to showcase our products uh, virtually so people can test and actually you know, purchase online. So really, as much as I know the whole market, talent market is a craving for digital profiles, it's really for us to sort of start establishing this reputation that we are more than just a beauty company, but we're really trying to bring technology into our services and products for consumers to make the right choices and be able to find what they really need to have. Yeah, so um, beauty tech, what, what does that mean? So this is a thank you for the question. And I know it needs a bit of an elaboration. And this is a journey that we're actually going through ourselves as an employee. So we as a company who offers a beauty cosmetic products as a manufacturing product company, but through technology, we have so many more opportunities. For example, e-commerce was not a thing, but of course with COVID, it has booms. And and thankfully, Lori had all the um, opportunities and channels and tools to really embark on this journey. So it's not just about selling products, you know, in person, but this digital platform has allowed us to 
go beyond and reach out to more people, more customers, more consumers, so we can you know extend our business uh, and, and services of our brand. So this is when we say beauty tech. It's not just beauty. We need that technology to really evolve ourselves to give a broad and diversified services to our uh, consumers. I think one thing, if you if you don't mind, Mayu, that I'll add on to that is the ability to really deep into or dive into personalization for our consumers. Uh, we always like to say that we need to be, in terms of products, teams, etc., we need to be as diverse as the 7 billion consumers that we serve. And this means really customizing everything to everyone. And the only way to do that is with some of these technological advancements, as Mayu said, a Madi face. But there are many other advancements that we have going on in terms of our, our labs, in terms of acquisitions, et cetera, to make this happen for our consumers. So really putting them at the heart of everything that we're doing through technology. Great. Okay. So that brings us over to the employer brand. How did it come about and what are your objectives? And yeah, what's the strategy for employer brand at L'Oreal? So I think I said at the beginning that one of the reasons why I loved staying with L'Oreal after my internship was because I fell in love with their employer branding strategy. And I think it's similar to the way we create products is how we treat our candidates. So um, putting the candidate and the employee at the center of everything that we're doing, in addition to the the consumer, to build that employer brand and and to build the EVP. So our employer branding uh, was developed to bring our EVP to life visually. We go through an EVP exercise every couple of years to make sure that we are still accurately representing uh, what the employees are feeling and what candidates are expecting. So we did this recently. We began the exercise, uh, I guess it's not so recently now, uh, time is flying, but in 2019 and relaunched the, the new EVP in 2020. And like I said, we really took what our employees were, were feeling as their true strengths, the, the, the unique behaviors of L'Oreal, what it really means to work at L'Oreal. And we equally listened to candidates to measure what they were expecting from employers now and what they would be expecting from employers in the future. And together with all of these insights developed four unique pillars, or as we call them, strengths, that are sort of our unique selling proposition to build that EVP. Yeah, so before we dive into the EVP, in terms of the the strategy for employer brand, is is the the ultimate objective to... uh, attract the right talent at the right time or is it to support talent acquisition or is to retain or maybe it's a combination thereof? I think it's it's definitely a combination but the approach that we have for the moment is is talent acquisition uh, with Mm -hmm. our employer branding Uh, because we've incorporated what the the employees are feeling of course there is talent management and retention uh, within but the main goal for now is is attraction. And as Mayu said, in terms of our attraction needs or challenges or what we're looking for, the employer brand is to help support or, or mitigate some of these challenges. So increasing the awareness through two uh, candidates that may not have considered L'Oreal as an employer uh, before. In, simply some, in some markets, we are considered just strictly as an FMCG company not even as an employer. So this is something that our employer brand is aiming to, uh, let's say, debunk. So debunking some of the key myths that candidates have about L'Oreal and maybe even bringing to light L'Oreal as an employer from the beginning. That's interesting. Can you give us an example of uh, or a misconception that candidates may have about, uh, about L'Oreal? 
I think the best misconception that I've heard in speaking with candidates uh, really all over the world is that you need to be uh, super obsessed with beauty to work at L'Oreal. And it's absolutely not the case. I'll speak for myself. Of course, I, I, I like some beauty products, but I'm absolutely not the obsessed kind. What matters for us is that you are innovative and creative and you're willing to learn about the product. Of course, um, depending on what role you're in, some products may be more important for those roles than in others. But uh, this is a big misconception that people have and often convinces people or deters people from even applying because they feel that they won't fit in because they're not obsessed with beauty. So this is one of the biggest misconceptions we're trying to debunk uh, with our current employer branding strategy. So the, the users or the consumers of your products, uh, is it fair to say that they are not always necessarily the best candidates for, for L'Oreal? I, I think it's an interesting question. Uh, I wouldn't say that they're not the best candidates because they are are maybe super dedicated to the products. But as we've we've discussed a little bit today, the company is evolving in many ways. And one of the ways that we've talked about is that beauty tech way. So it's true that we may need to find uh, more candidates that are obsessed with tech, obsessed with data, obsessed with research and innovation. Uh, that may not have been attracted to L'Oreal before. So I think it's not to say mm. that those beauty-obsessed candidates are not the right ones, but that we need some in addition to complement. And if yeah. I may just add to, to that, when I was a recruiter also back in, in, in Japan, I, I used to get the same type of question, you know, lo- loving a product, liking a product versus knowing what this product is offering, what it's providing people, what are the insights, what are the dynamics that Spotter can bring to the market are very two different approach to the product. So this is where we're, you know, uh, when we're looking, we're seeking for um, candidates, all the elements that Lisa just mentioned is extremely important, um, whether if you like it or whether if you want to be that person to provide those, you know, uh, beauty lovers and the product that they wish to have in the future. Right. Okay. So let's uh, let's move on to the to the EVP. So it was refreshed in two thousand nineteen, and uh, Lisa, can you give us a flavour for you know what what does it lead with? Is there a, an essence for a tagline? Absolutely. So the the EVP tagline that was fully so developed starting in twenty nineteen, but really uh, let's say launched to the globe in twenty twenty, is uh, freedom to go beyond. That's the beauty of L'Oreal. It was developed by looking at, like I said, we took into consideration employees, we took into consideration the candidates and looked at our four, we came up with four unique strengths that L'Oreal has. I'm not going to share them exactly uh, with you today. I'm not going to give away too many of our secrets, but uh, in essence, it's about um, having the ability to grow in a diverse setting and acting as your own boss. We say to all employees, you're the CEO of L'Oreal, go for it. Uh, So this is basically what our freedom to go beyond tagline, how it was created. And of course, that's the beauty of L'Oreal. We will never neglect or forget that we're a beauty company. We are striving to bring beauty in every ways of the definition to the world and to all of our consumers and beyond. So it was about incorporating the true essence, how we were founded, what our, our, our founder believed in, but with that entrepreneurial spirit that we have at every corner of L'Oreal. Nice. And uh, how, how is that resonating with uh, candidates on, on the outside? I'm thinking especially younger people. Is that something that attracts them? Absolutely. I think it's resonating quite well. 
maybe another misconception that sort of we're debunking with this current EVP and employer branding strategy is that because we're such a large company, which of course has its benefits, people are often under the assumption that we operate like a big company. But in yeah. fact, we operate like a startup within uh, within the foundations and security of a big company. Everyone is in charge of what they're doing. If you have a new idea, you're absolutely going to go for it. There's not a lot of red tape uh, that you have to go through uh, when you're starting out at L'Oreal and even as you're building your career. So with this entrepreneurial mindset, this freedom to go beyond, we're really able to show candidates that you do have that freedom. And we're doing that through uh, many different ways. And maybe we can get to that in a few minutes. But you're absolutely right that it's showing a different side of L'Oreal than people are expecting. And do uh, people who currently work for L'Oreal, well, you said that this came from them. So they would they would agree with that and they feel that they can go beyond in their daily tasks. Yes, completely. So I did mention that it was built from from our employees. We wouldn't have built yeah. an EVP that was uh, based on, you know, what Lisa and my you say today. We really wanted to take into consideration what our employees were feeling. And uh, the, based on the four strengths that we came up with, this is what they were feeling. It was the the things that they were the proudest of L'Oreal, the, the reasons they were the most proud to work at L'Oreal, I should say. Maybe I can give my own example um, to sort of express the EVP that was beautifully explained by uh, Lisa. So when I first got assigned to this role in 2019, a candidate experience global manager role uh, never existed. So I was the first one that was assigned to this role and was told, okay, Mayu, we need to work on candidate experience. Go ahead. I was like, okay, uh, where do I start? But really, uh, they said, you know, you're the boss, you're the CEO of this topic, go ahead, look what, um, you know, ask for resources if you need them. And, and, you know, just experiment with this topic. Originally, I was quite, uh, you know, surprised with this big challenge. Uh, but uh, now that I've been working on this topic for a few years, I think uh, we now in the organization understand candidate experience in the same way. We understand what needs to be done. Not saying that we're, we're acing it now, but we're still learning and we're really discovering this topic all together. And thanks to this opportunity, I think um, even I've been working for this group for quite a while. I was able to kind of rediscover the culture of L'Oreal once again, thanks to, for being assigned to a new role where I have to establish everything from scratch, basically um, you know, being a, a, a person that raises awareness and topic about this. And it was extremely exciting and interesting to broaden my network globally and also, you know, persuading our top management that this is absolutely a priority to have a competitive edge in such a fierce uh, market situation. So I think this, this displays quite well that, you know, even within a big organization, you can start something new and you can actually start uh, to build something within the group. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very impressive. All right. And so we move on to uh, activation. So bringing this uh, in front of uh, prospective talent. What does that look like, Florian? So activating the employer brand is super fun. It's mainly when we when we talk about the activation, it's mainly external. Um, mm -hmm. It's true that we equipped completely on our in, in terms of internally our, our talent acquisition teams, our recruitment teams, and many of our corporate communications partners as well at L'Oreal at the global level and in most of the markets, talent acquisition and corporate communications work very well together to uh, represent the corporate reputation and the employer brand uh, as a hand in hand. 
candidates and employees, uh, sorry, candidates and consumers, I should say, are becoming more and more the same person. What uh, the, the company a person wants to apply for is the same company that the person is choosing to spend their money with. So this is why we work hand in hand. So of course, we had quite an extensive rollout in an internal activation way. But the majority of our time beyond this activation has been spent externally. So, of course, we're using uh, social media mainly all of the channels. There isn't one channel that is the, uh, you know, that we should focus on completely. LinkedIn is definitely where many candidates are. But as candidates are getting younger and younger, it's not necessarily the, the be all and end all. So it's looking at where which candidates are, which channels of social media they are using, how they are using it and becoming completely audience centric. If videos are, are used on, on TikTok, that's where we're going to be. If photos are used on LinkedIn, that's where we're going to be. So we're taking a very audience candidate-centric approach to our employer branding external activation, uh, which has so far proven um, quite effective. We need to, we need, we'll be doing a, let's say, a, a social listening to see how we've evolved with the, with the new employer branding and EVP strategy since the launch. Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely been an interesting a couple of years to compare to a couple of years unlike uh, any that we've known in our recent history so we'll be we'll be interested to see how it how it's fared but i think from the the types of candidates that we are attracting now we are attracting a greater diversity of candidates in terms of uh, all all spectrums of diversity uh, education interests countries etc so i think from what I can say anecdotally, the employer branding strategy is working well in attracting the candidates that we're looking for. Great. And, and with being such an international uh, organization, I can imagine you do some work in terms of campaigns on a global level and, and some perhaps more in markets or, or regional. Um, is that a correct understanding? Yes, you're you're absolutely correct. So like I said at the beginning when I did my introduction, I'm the global employer branding manager, but many of the markets have their own local employer branding manager within the talent acquisition community. So my role is to focus on the awareness, a little bit of the consideration in terms of campaigning at the global level, and yeah. we leave it to the local level to do the actual work in the conversion uh, the local levels really know the, you know, their recruitment needs, their recruitment strategies, and where they're struggling the most in terms of either attraction uh, or consideration. So we work hand in hand to co-develop campaigns or I support them in their campaigns that they develop. But it's really a, a totally a complementary approach uh, from the global and local perspective. And I learn a lot from the, the local employer branding managers about the, the uniqueness of each market. Uh, and and what's to offer and what's to learn. It's a fantastic experience. Yeah, I can imagine. And are there any specific campaigns or initiatives you want to highlight today that our, uh, our listeners should uh, check out? I feel like I'm going to be a, a broken record here, but I think what we've been really focusing <laughs> on is that tech aspect. Uh, so we've recently launched, uh, it's not a global campaign yet. We're doing a test and learn approach, which is a, synonymous with the L'Oreal culture. We do a test, we succeed or we fail, and we pick ourselves up and we go again with all the learnings in tow. So we're doing it on a, a little bit more of a localized market, but we are really focusing on uh, advancing the, the perception of L'Oreal as a tech company. 
And so this is an awareness campaign that's going on, like I said, locally and will be expanding globally over the, the course of the summer, which we will follow up with localized uh, conversion recruitment campaigns in the fall when the recruitment season picks up a little bit. And my final question on activation is, do you use a specific hashtag or hashtags that's, uh, that we can click on to, to learn more? Absolutely. I think the two that we are using the most across the L'Oreal globe, uh, it varies a little bit in, in some markets where English is not used as frequently, is either hashtag we are L'Oreal or hashtag life at L'Oreal. I believe in some of the Latin American countries, they are using a, a variation of this um, to meet their, their local let's say, recruitment candidate uh, expectations, but we are L'Oreal and life at L'Oreal. And one thing that maybe I'm, I'm, we'll say on the activation piece, maybe one final thing for me is that we really want to let the employees tell their stories. We know that uh, employees are the most authentic, the most believable, and they are, they are telling uh, their experiences every day working for L'Oreal, every new project that they've accomplished, a new idea that they've brought to the table and has been, you know, given the green light. So leveraging these employee stories is something that's absolutely invaluable and instrumental to our employer branding campaign, which we are finding very often through We Are L'Oreal and Life of L'Oreal hashtags that they are sharing on their own accord uh, on their social medias every day. Right. Thank you for that. Now, if we move on to... Uh million dollar question which is uh, measurement how do you go about measuring the the um, attractiveness of the, your employer brand and right. uh, and yeah i think my could you talk talk to us about how you arrive that's where you are now yeah absolutely um as lisa was explaining that you know doing social media communicating about employer branding is always a test and learn i think on this sense of measuring is also the same type of i would say a mindset especially with with the pandemic and covid happening i think we all agree that what we have used to do what we used to do is not the same and uh, it's changing every day. So we're uh, constantly on experiment mode. Uh, like Lisa said, we're a big company, but always in a startup mindset. Um, so this is where we came across, of course, New York and, and Link Humans. I recall last year when we were looking for you know, new solutions to say, how do we measure our attractiveness? Because there has been, of course, existing um, solutions in the market that we've, of course, been collaborating, working with, but we're always looking for new ways to measure ourselves, evolve ourselves, upskill ourselves when it comes to how we measure attractiveness. And this is when we found the Link Humans and had the opportunity to, to before speak with you, Jorgen, and we found your solution super interesting. One, because you had a very broad audience to you, you know, uh, scrap public data from all the social media platforms to really understand the sentiment of our of, of the people. And this was something very new to us, not just numbers, but also you had the qualitative information that allow us to really understand how people feel about L'Oreal. So this is, um, you know, a sort of a, a new way that we discovered and we're trying to really upskill and learn the new ways to measure our attractiveness. So I would say there's no conclusion yet. We're still, uh, you know, mm -hmm. on this journey, embarking on this new adventure on how this will help us to understand our strengths, um, our areas of improvements, uh, moving onwards to see how we can, you know, tune um, or amplify the messages that we would like to convey to our candidates and, of course, our consumers. Yes. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm keen to know sort of how, 
once once you get data and uh, results from uh, reporting and so on, how can that drive your strategy? What what are some of the the things that you will be working on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what's what's really also and just to add um, a bit on how we found your solution interesting was that you have uh, you know these reports on a quarterly basis, which really allows us to have these small bite learnings with a very data driven approach. So what we've seen um, throughout our collaboration is that what we've done in the the months that we've measured. Uh, with your solution, really started to show um, on the results. So based on our activation on social media, the scores started to change. And so I think really um, the results helps us to feel and to sort of do a health check on how we're being perceived. If we worked, for example, on mission and purpose, or let's say CSR, we saw some spikes in that areas in terms of scores. So we Mm -hmm. were able to really understand what we do can be projected in the results that you provide to us. So I think it can really directly, you know, give us this insight and understanding on where we're doing right and that we're having a voice, whereas we can um, identify also, even if it's something that we want to promote, that it's still not reaching to our uh, consumers or candidates, that this is something that we need to work on to really activate on social media or any type of um, a campaign to 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 voice out. Yeah, oh, that's really interesting. So really about tweaking the activation and, and strategy as we as we get more data coming in. I think if you don't mind, Jorgen, I think one thing I would love to say is it's having a team, as Mayu expressed a little bit earlier uh, in, in our time together, is that we're putting people that are working in candidate experience and in employer branding in the same team, uh, which not a lot of uh, companies, well, some companies, of course, are doing it, but it's not necessarily always the case. But we are able to learn very quickly and in such an agile way from each other. Uh, and like yeah. you said, with the quarterly reports that you're able to provide, we have something quick to learn from and we're able to change and, and adjust as we need. Uh, so having a close relationship between employer branding and candidate experience, I think, is crucial for agility and success. Yes, agreed. And uh, I'm also interested in knowing beyond that team. So I know you work a lot with stakeholders like TA, for instance, and DNI. What's, um, how do they, do they take an interest in this sort of reporting and uh, what, how does it uh, inform their strategies? Of course, um, when it comes to employer reputation uh, measurement, understanding how we are, uh, you know, our attractiveness as an employer, it's it's a global topic. It's not just you know Lisa and myself and the global team that are that are in charge. We have um, again this responsibility in, in each and every country to understand how we are attractive at the local level as well, which of course adds up to the global reputation. So uh, on this topic, I have involved the TA directors in the zone level to to promote uh, you know this, this this solution and to again educate ourselves on what are the solutions that are out in the market to really be able to grasp the information uh, on where we stand versus our competitors, for example, because competitors are always doing uh, you know great activities as well, and we're always willing to learn from them. So it, it gives us a good way to learn from one another. When I share this type of data, the market will then react to, you know, oh, yes, um, we've done this, so maybe this is the reason why the results are impacting in this way. And then it actually helps us to start a conversation um, from global to zone to local and local zone to global. So it really starts to kind of, um, you know, have this great dynamic of starting this conversation about how we um, 
measure ourselves. And, and when we have this new type of solution, it's always quite stimulating uh, to look at these data together and understand what these numbers mean and what is really there behind those numbers. Yeah, great. And just to clarify, when you say zones, that's broadly continents. Yes, exactly. We, we operate in, in different zones in like Western Europe, Americas, etc. I'm sure many companies yeah. have the similar ways, but yes, this is exactly what I mean. Yeah, it's funny. So it's so it's every company we work with, they do have similar um, regions, but it calls zones or sectors or whatever it's done. Yeah, and maybe just to add on that, L'Oreal has this very um, strong passion on having a global, um, how can I say, um, a mindset and a view and a branding, but also uh, strongly localized as well, because we understand that each country has this, or region has its specificities as well. So this is where we, yeah. you know, have this great combination of having this global impact and image, whereas, of course, we try to make sure we're speaking in the right way to the right people. So this is how we collaborate as we work. Right. Okay. Now, um, what, uh, in your opinion, you can choose who wants to answer this one. Uh, what is it that makes this uh, these the roles or the the function that, that you have? What is it that makes it so special? I think I'll I'll take this one if you don't mind, uh, Jorgen. So I think what's so cool about employer branding, maybe I'll speak to in my if you have something specific on the candidate experience, is we have often looked at consumer expectations and have been, you know, we've heard consumer obsessed, consumer centric, et cetera. But I think what employer branding is doing now for us is giving us that candidate centricity. Their expectations of, of companies, of their employers are changing just as fast, maybe faster in the last couple of years, uh, faster than the, the, than the consumers. And I think we've seen the biggest shift or one of the biggest shifts in the in the most recent decades with the, the pandemic and what em employees and what candidates are expecting from their company. We don't have the privilege as an employer to pick and choose uh, the candidates that we want. That's not the way that uh, talent acquisition is working any longer. It's really the, the candidates that are choosing. And in order for them to choose the company, we need to have the best employer branding strategy. They need to know that we're a company to choose and they need to know why they're choosing it. So if they don't know why to choose you, they're not going to choose you. They're going to choose somewhere else. So I think this is why employer branding is such an interesting field uh, right now. And if I may add to that, which which I I would love to, is that really the dynamic between companies, consumers, candidates, all of this has been shifting, changing, uh, which is, I, I take it quite positively. And really, I think it's now a conversation between, you know, companies and consumers and, and candidates before there was maybe a bit of a, you know, difference in dynamic, but now it's really becoming, it's becoming conversational. It's becoming more, I would say, uh, um, uh, how can I say a flat um, relationship in terms of we're equals, and and that's yeah. where you know we have this opportunity to be at the forefront of this activity, and and it's it's super exciting um, to understand to learn what people are saying uh, whilst we express ourselves. So I think that's what makes our role and job quite special and interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Is the, um, the 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 whole feel of um, job applicant and interviewer and so on. I feel it's been uh, democratized, and it's, uh, people have more information than ever, and they they have more choice, as Lisa said. So um, yeah, sounds like you're doing all the right things there. 
Final question is, where can our listeners, first of all, where can they connect with yourselves if they have uh, follow-up questions? And uh, where can they learn more about L'Oreal, particularly its employer brand? I think the first place which will answer both is LinkedIn. So you can connect with Mayu and I on our our LinkedIn profiles. But in addition, you can connect or follow L'Oreal on LinkedIn. Uh, It's going to be one of the best places to get your your full round of news, either from uh, the corporate side, what is happening in our uh, sustainability commitments, uh, our sense of purpose, et cetera, but also what to expect as a candidate. So I think LinkedIn is a great place to start. But like I said at the beginning, activation is across all social media channels. So we are present on uh, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, and LinkedIn. Uh, so this is definitely a great place to go. And of course, the careers website and the L'Oreal.com is a great place for all of the information you really need to learn about L'Oreal from all of the different perspectives. Uh, from our from our founder, our history to our brands and and divisions, uh, everything you'll need will be in one of these places for sure. Yeah, that was very comprehensive. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you so much, both of you, for your time today. Thank you so much, Jorgen and Link Humans, for hosting us. It was an absolute pleasure to discuss uh, one of our favorite uh, topics with you. Okay, there we go, folks. Be sure to reach out to Mayu and Lisa and thank them both ever so much for sharing these really useful insights. And of course, if you would like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so at employerbrandingpodcast.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, and all the usual places. And if you really enjoy this episode and all the series in general, Please help us out by leaving a review on one of these platforms. Right, so uh, whether it's uh, candidate experience, employer brand, or people marketing, talent branding, whatever you uh, may call it in your organization, we're all here for the same reason. It's really to attract and retain the best talent for our organization. And a way to understand where you're at with it all is of course to measure your reputation as an employer and this is why we invented the link humans index also known as the employer brand index we investigate what candidates active and passive current employees and alumni that's the folks who left feel about your employer brand what's their experience really like and if you just like l'oreal has would uh, like to get a baseline report and measure ongoing and having those insights so that you can see the the ROI on all the hard work, head on over to linkhumans.com to learn more or feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn or ping me an email and uh, we can take it from there. That was it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and look forward to catching up next time. Hey! What did one hat say to the other? No idea. You stay here. I'll go on ahead.